0: Sequel Cast 2 is part of the Batman Podcast Network. For more information, go to batman-on-film.com. We're not going to get late, wow. Right, we're not going to get late. After the credits roll, there's always more to tell. Especially when the video sounds are doing really well. From Shock Treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Until the end. this is Cast, And your hosts have asked that I you that the show will now begin. Hello and welcome to Sequelcast 2, a podcast looking at films in a franchise one movie at a time. I am your host, Matt Bradley shergy and with me is Thrasher. <laughs> I'm a monk,
1: and they've kicked me out of the monastery.
0: Yeah, we are talking about uh, the TV show Monk with Tony Salube, Season 4, Episode 3. No, no. we're It's talking a jungle about, out there. Talking about Porky's Revenge, as the poster says. The Pig Strikes Back, released in 85, directed by James Comack, produced by Robert L. L. Rosen, written by Ziggy Steinberg, music by Dave Edmonds, cinematography Robert C. Jessup, and edited by John W. Wheeler. Off a budget of seven point eight million, this made twenty million, which is less than the fifty million uh, Porky's. Two the next day made, and um, in eighty five, guess where this popped up on the domestic release uh, box office?
1: Seventy second,
0: forty third. So uh, in the U.S., it made twenty point five. I guess that doesn't include international. So I'm curious what it brought in overseas. So it did better than such movies as uh, Young Sherlock Holmes or Lady Hawk or even something we covered recently, Death Wish 3. But it did worse than uh, movies like uh, Nightmare at Elm Street 2, um, The Black Cauldron, oh, wow. and, Santa- and Santa Claus the movie. Um, and for reference, the top three films of 85 were Back to the Future, Rambo, First Blood Part 2, and Rocky IV. Well, all
1: movies we have covered on this podcast.
0: I guess you're right. I did not even think of that.
1: Wow. We're we're starting to get a little bit recursive.
0: It's also interesting to see that Police Academy 2 made more than Fletch, but that's neither here nor there.
1: (laughs) Until we get to Fletch or Police Academy.
0: I keep on forgetting Fletch had Fletch lives, you're right. (laughs) So, what,
1: what what was your first experience with this movie?
0: Quirky's Revenge, um, you know, it's probably, again, working up Blockbuster and, and seeing the video on the shelf and being a bit too sheepish to, to rent it. Um, I knew this was a third one. When I, when I saw Revenge, I wondered what the Revenge could be. And it, it made me think of, of things like, uh, I don't know, Return of the Jedi or <laughs> uh, and that sort of a thing. It seemed like a weird title for a comedy. Uh I I I see on the poster it says all new Porky's Revenge. Which is strange. Did people not think think it would just be Porky's again?
1: It makes you wonder how many movies were just literally made from pieces of older movies. <laughs>
0: I don't know, but I, I've heard things like for movies like Gremlins 2, it didn't do as well as people thought it did because it, it, people thought it was the same as the first Gremlins, or even despite having, you know, two on the poster. So, um, but I mean, all new, it just makes me think of all those mad magazines that were just uh, special issues, right? That were just basically like a clip show of a magazine.
1: Oh yeah, the special collections would be all recycled material dug up throughout the entirety of the magazine's history. Although those are fun if you're if you're a teenager on a road trip.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, they're usually tied into things like maybe a new Star Trek movie is coming out, so it'd be like Mad G- Star Trek Goes Mad or something. You know, it it usually had some reason for having a theme. Uh so what about you? Porky's Revenge, is this something you saw on television or
1: Apparently, well, apparently it was. Going into this, I thought I had never seen this before. Uh, but when I sat down to watch the movie, I remembered virtually all of it beat for beat, and I th- and I remember it from USA's up all night. And I think when I started watching it, I must have missed the in- I must have missed the opening crawl that that showed that this was a Porky's film.
0: I, I could see that. I mean, in this, it has you know mainly the, the same cast with a few exceptions, but. But these don't look like high school kids anymore, and I'm oh, kind no. of glad they have them graduating as part of the plot. I mean, had these had it kept on going, would it have been Porky's at college,
1: or... Or, or Porky's for the new class. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. And funnily enough, so Leonard Maltin in his movie guide, he rated this an absolute bomb, and one of his comments uh, uh, was that the entire cast was looking older than the Bowery Boys.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he he's not wrong, and, and you have all these things. I mean, this one really reminded me more of of what things like American Pie would, would become for whatever reason, like some of those American Pie sequels, and that the cast is clearly relaxed. Um, I, I did read some... I think it was like an LA Times article done around the the making of this film, and they, they yeah. said how Porky's Two was a disappointment. They thought Porky's Three would make more money, which that <laughs> almost never happens with sequels. Uh, but unless you get the rock, usually, uh, yeah. But I mean, usually sequels just make progressively less and less money each one you do. But they 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 said they thought Porky's Two was a bit chaste yeah. uh, and, and focused less on sort of the sex and the ribaldry of the original. And uh, it, I think that's. I don't know if I'd say chaste, but... I disagree with that assessment. Yeah, I think they're just trying to think of an excuse of why you should go and see Porky's Revenge, and uh, there was stuff uh, in the set about a lot of jokes had to be changed because Nancy Parsons, who's a uh, ball breaker, lost about 30 pounds It didn't tell people that were making the movie this. Hmm. So she showed up on set, and she, you know, is noticeably, I wouldn't say skinny, but she. Looks better. She's lost weight, and they had to take out a lot of fat jokes. And I think that kind of works with what they do with her character as well, because she gets gets more to do here.
1: Well, yeah, she she gets a legitimate arc that kind of closes out her storyline, which which amazed me. the The thing that shocked me though was that so we we have uh, we have Khaki Hunter back as Wendy Williams. With, like, really only two very small exceptions, this movie completely wastes Khaki Hunter, which is a shock, given the way the last film ended.
0: Right. In fact, I was looking on uh, YouTube, I saw USA or something had a commercial for uh, Porky's 2 the next day, and all they did was feature Khaki Hunter's scene at the end, where she's being kind of the -the over-the-top debutante. (laughs) And it was very funny. Um yeah, I mean, so this is noted, unlike 1 and 2, this was not written and directed by Bob Clark. Instead, this was directed by James Comack, who did a lot of TV, like Welcome Back, Cotter. And this was his um, theatrical uh, debut. I don't know if you did any other theatrical films except for this one.
1: Well, so and it's written by Ziggy Steinberg, who I believe is the brother of Canadian stand-up comedian David Steinberg
0: yeah so uh different writer, but i think I think overall this still feels like a porkys film, it's not like it feels like something totally alien the, the cast well quite a bit older now or uh just that level of comfort i think is nice. you don't have any sort of stiffness um the plot in this more mirrors the original porkys and um well it's got it's
1: it's it's, it's a true sequel in spirit.
0: Yeah, I, I, oddly enough, you know, trying to find, uh, trying to research this, uh, this soundtrack apparently is held in high regards.
1: Well, it's got so the soundtrack has a lot of great old music, but what is truly bizarre, and I'm shocked that this isn't all over the poster, but it features a Bob Dylan cover performed by George Harrison from the Beatles.
0: Yeah, uh, George Harrison was a fan of, um, I think it's Dave Edmonds' band, The Fabulous Thunderbirds, that do a cover of Stagger Lee in here, and and Dave Edmonds himself produced and did a lot of tracks on the soundtrack. And uh, George Harrison, you know, decided to contribute a track uh, to the soundtrack, and he might have even done some, uh, played on some of the other tracks in the film. That that I wasn't quite sure about. And yeah, you, you you think the poster would say, you know... Or the single would be the George Harrison thing or, uh, or something. And <laughs> and instead, they were really pushing and even had a music video for High School Nights, the track that's in the end credits. That's this cheesy kind of, uh, oh, it wasn't high school fun. Oh, the kids are getting up to trouble again. It sounds, it sounds like a temp track. It does sound pretty cheap, it, yeah. It
1: sounds like when you're releasing the show on DVD but can't get the rights to the show's own theme song on the DVD, that's the song you put in.
0: It's also kind of strange Porky's isn't in the title of the song. We're all going to Porky's, or I don't know. Like There's, <laughs> there's something you could do. It, 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 just calling it High School Nights is so bland. It reminds me how Animal House had a TV show, and they didn't want to call it Animal House. Um, the studio because they thought people would be confused so instead it's called Delta House uh, which is and it got canceled after a season and people wonder why
1: well like because no one knew it was based on the classic movie
0: (laughs) no Um, and that one had a theme song by Jim Steinman but it's neither here nor there Uh, yeah (laughs) High School Nights was this cheesy number uh, but I mean the other music you know it does give the movie a kind of energy I especially like the cover of, of Stagger Lee that you hear when you Going to Porky's for the first time, but we should probably talk about the film proper from the beginning. It begins with a dream sequence that ironically kind of comes back around near the end. Everyone is in their caps and gowns for the graduation ceremony.
1: Yeah and the uh the principal is uh is you know giving giving the usual speech full of platitudes and about looking towards the future and becoming adults and there is one bit that gave me a, a bit of a chuckle where he's just panning over the porky's gang and on each one the camera lingers and he sort of names like a potential career and they get weirder and weirder as it goes like uh when it goes to to Wendy, Yeah, when it goes to Wendy, it's like, sex therapist. And then it gets to one of the guys, uh, interior decorator. Uh, And finally, and who knows, maybe even the president of the United States. And when they get to the president, this is something that's so bizarre. When they get to the president of the United States uh, gag, there's a mother in the audience with a little kid with her. And the little kid's picking his nose. And she, like, grabs his hand. And what's so bizarre is when we get the actual graduation scene in the end, the mother and the kid are there, but the kid is wearing mittens so he can't pick his nose. So this is Pee-wee's dream. Is Pee-wee psychic?
0: Pee-wee might be psychic uh, because what happens at the end is pretty similar to what happens in the dream. Also, when that kid is picking his nose, they play these cartoon sound effects like doink as he sticks the finger in the nose, which is a bit distracting. But really, Revenge of the Nerds does a lot of that same thing.
1: But yeah, when Pee-wee goes up to take his diploma, uh, the principal steps on his robe, which tears off, and everybody sees Pee-wee with uh, his erection. And like all these movies, we then cut to Pee-wee waking up in bed with an erection.
0: And his mom comes in and he tries to hide it, which was... I think they've done that joke in every picture on some level. Yeah, every Uh, movie
1: has opened with a Pee-wee boner.
0: Yeah. Uh, No boner like a Pee-wee boner. The Pee-wee boner don't stop. Um...
1: As this movie does prove, uh, and we we get into this, and so we we, we talked a lot about how the first sequel is Porky's the next day, and that that title is good uh, good to its word. We don't know how far in the future this movie takes place. All we know is that it's still in the Eisenhower administration.
0: Yeah, I mean, frankly, if you pretend like Porky's Two doesn't exist and jump right to this film, you're not missing anything. I didn't catch any reference to the second film. Um.
1: Well, there's barely any reference to the first film uh, until we see the wreckage of Porky's. That is,
0: yeah, and and that. Speaking of which, this does not have a recap like Porky's Two did.
1: Oh, you know, you're right. Although I guess a, a, a recap would have killed the momentum, such as it is.
0: Right, and uh, I do have an apology to make. I realized this after we did the show last week for Porky's Two, but I made I had confused a scene from Porky's Revenge with Porky's 2 and that near the beginning you have this bit of an escapade where they have a stag film that the students are trying to see and they, you know, do this whole rigmarole to get into the AV club and then the principal kind of gives them the riot act uh, with Ballbricker and it's very similar as sort of an homage to that scene in the first movie with uh, Ballbricker wanting to find the tallywhacker in the showers.
1: Yeah, that was from this one. Actually, I I made a factual error as well. The quote that I attributed to Bill Hader about SNL is in fact from uh, Seth Meyer.
0: And what was that quote again? Uh, the
1: quote was that the best episode of SNL has three things you love and one thing you hate.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good one. That is um, Seth
1: Meyer of Weekend Update fame.
0: So, so looking at th- this beginning kind of gag with the with the porno film, I think it's. It does really show how much things have changed. I mean, nowadays someone would just pull up a video on their phone and maybe pass the phone <laughs> around. But then, if you you know, you had to get it. It was on uh, pornos or on reel-to-reel film. You had to have a projector to play it on. To find a free projector in a school uh, that was probably underfunded, you know, it was pretty difficult. And so, no, this school the is AD...
1: not underfunded. We saw well, their okay. drama the, department. The sports.
0: Yes, that's true. The apartment, the uh, had the big stadium, but. Um, you know, that they have to put some work into just finding a way to watch this film I thought it was, it was charming and, uh, and true to uh, when it takes place.
1: Well, there's a couple things I like about that. Like, among it, this, this movie continues the traditions of the gals being just as horny as the guys. And I love that when the guys use the A.V. Club to watch the Stag Reel. Wendy is there enjoying it with them. Uh, we see very little of the Stag Reel, though. The other thing I like is that they try to cover it up by saying, oh, it's a Swedish art film. You only saw one brief scene uh, taken out of context. Of course, you might think that it's pornographic, but in fact, it's, it's symbolic. And I I love that. Like, And the one, the one thing I'm kind of shocked is they didn't try to pass it off as educational because around this time if you look into the history of The Grindhouse, like that's how they would get away with showing pornographic material. They would always surround it with other things that would make it technically educational. Like, oh, no, no, we're not watching pornography. We're watching a health film about the dangers of VD or, or what have you. I'm kind of shocked they didn't go in that direction, although I do like anytime the principal's like, well, we have to have a screening of this great Swedish film, because he's buying into their, their line. Like, well, we'd like to, but all the projectors are tied up showing like safety films and hygiene films and what have you and every time they mention what the projectors are being used to show they make up a little song <laughs> about the topic
0: yeah like this cheesy educational song about washing your hands or staying clean or, or yeah it's, it's sort of funny and I think it it is true that those old uh, pornographic films they would have scenes where there would literally be a doctor there sort of explaining things yeah uh, <laughs> And so, it, I mean, the, they weren't completely wrong in saying it was, those were educational, but it was really just a front to put uh, sort of these dirty movies into the theaters. And, um,
1: or into a tent in some cases.
0: Uh, yes. Yeah. Or a, a wall. Or, a, I, I mean, I've seen films projected against a bed sheet before. Like, people can <laughs> get really, uh, creative with, uh, with how those things work. So, looking at all that, it's, uh, it's a, just to see um, Ballbreaker just kind of losing her shit about how this is filth and all this stuff. It brings back fond memories of the first film. It She apparently has lost her KKK affiliation. That's never brought up.
1: Well, well she wasn't affiliated with the KKK. She was affiliated True. with the with the Reverend, but with, the, the, the Reverend was affiliated yeah, with the KKK. With
0: the <laughs> right, by proxy. Uh, but, I mean, you know, that... I, I would have thought they would have done some reference or, or said, now remember the trouble you got into last time.
1: <laughs> Everyone in the school has even, a very short memory.
0: <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't even less put on a play and now you're complaining about a movie. Yeah. Um, so it, that's a nice sort of light gag to, to open the film. Um,
1: well, what gets things going, uh, is that, uh, now, so they're done with drama clubs so now everybody's on the basketball team. Um, and, you know, their their team apparently has never done all that well, but they start they're starting to play really well. Uh, and they, they have a game where they get into the championships, and this gets two balls rolling. One, it gets some of the hijinks rolling because they convince the cheerleaders that, hey, if you throw us an orgy, I bet we'll win. And the cheerleaders agree to do this and do this cheer, and they win. But right before the game, uh, one of the kids overhears, uh overhears their coach, Coach Goodnov. Which I do like that name. Talking to some good old boys, and he discovers that oh shit, our coach is it has a gambling debt to Porky's, and it looks like P- Porky's is trying to use that to lean on him. Well, we love our coach. We don't want our we don't want our coach to suffer. Looks like we'll have to teach Porky another lesson, and that's kind of, that's where the main thrust of this movie comes from.
0: Yeah, it's nice they take their time to reintroduce quirky uh and you it's the same actor playing him um i I read some reviews that that criticized uh let me look up the actor's name it it criticized you know uh chuck mitchell being a bit too cartoonish in this movie i felt he was the same way in the first one i don't think it seems radically different
1: no it's not it's not a a widely divergent performance i would say it's not even divergent he's just playing the same character the exact same um, way
0: and I'm trying to remember. Does the orgy scene come before we see what the new Porky's looks like?
1: Uh, I think it. Com- I think it comes before. So the orgy. Yeah. So the orgy scene. So apparently, one of the one of the girls in the cheerleading squad has a her family has a pool. And so they act like they're just they're the the cheerleaders and the team have gotten together to just have a nice friendly little sock hop style party in the backyard, but then the parents uh, the parents go out to dinner, leaving all the all these these nice clean cut kids alone. So then that's when the orgy starts in the pool, and this is a really clever prank. Uh, so they tell, they tell the guys, uh, to, to strip down and jump into the pool. They do the same. The girls all jump into the pool and the guys jump in on the other end. And this, this lays something in that does not come back in as big a way as I thought, which is that the meat, he's a great athlete, but it turns out he can't swim. He just sinks straight to the bottom. And they do pull them up. And so the girls, you know, promise, like, okay, well, you get naked and we're going to get naked. And it's really clever. They have brought with them under the water a bag containing a second copy of all their swimsuits. So they go throwing these copy swimsuits out of the pool, which makes the guys think that the girls are naked under the water. So they actually do take off their underwear. Uh, And then... uh, the girls all jump out of the pool and grab the guy's underwear and bring out a camera and start taunting them. Uh, and so the guys can't get out of the pool without humiliating themselves. We get a whole line of full backle nudity as the guys finally just come out of the pool. Uh, and that's when the girl's parents show up because they ended up leaving the restaurant early. Uh, and that's what gets everybody on the road, is them like running out without their pants on. Like, oh, well, thank you for having us over, Mrs. Stevens. Oh, goodness gracious.
0: You think you would have had a callback of uh, the um, Pee Wee running naked or something with the cops I, driving I, by?
1: I was expecting that, yeah. But uh, this, th- that is a solid prank.
0: No, it is. You know, it goes a different way than you're expected. You have set up. It's filmed in such a way, like in a wide shot. You kind of, you know, the guys are kind of getting all hot and bothered, and, and the girls are have have the upper hand. And and just, um, I mean, I was not never at a party like this, but I certainly heard of things where if someone had a swimming pool and the parents were out of town, high drinks would be going on. Uh, it, it does seem, you tend to have a scene like this with a swimming pool in this kind of a movie, and, and that... <laughs> It's it's the girls uh, getting the comeuppance on the boys. I, I think is a nice twist because you can make it very easy, like a, uh, like the scene in Mash or something, where the woman gets embarrassed, instead instead it's the guys that look stupid.
1: Well, like I'll, I think that's one thing this movie has always been been good at. It makes the guys sympathetic by having them by having them basically turn into clowns because of their excessive horniness
0: and also the it it's interesting note there's no real gay panic about the guys being naked next to each other
1: Well, it wasn't like that in the fifties back then men could be naked together, just a bunch of men celebrating each other's strength
0: watching gladiator movies yes <laughs> um, so eventually, after all this they as you mentioned they 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 lay the pipe in the beginning with the 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 coach owing the money, so they go to try and find uh Porky and uh, as you recall they destroyed his club in the first film and I love the reveal in this one the new one is on a riverboat Oh with the yeah, same neon sign that's just great
1: yeah they, they go to the wreckage of Porky and it's like it's solid wreckage uh, like I totally buy it as the wreckage from the first film even though it hasn't sunk into the water as far as that one but it's great because you see you s- suddenly see the Porky sign sort of flashing over it and then that riverboat comes out from behind the wreckage that is that is a great way to raise the stakes by giving him that riverboat and riverboats are such a great location
0: you know and it brings to mind things like um uh, Mark Twain spending his time on the riverboat and and really something sort of that I associate with the south in there and and they even have it in some sort of action scenes as it were near the end which is nice i mean Porky's is mobile. Maybe he's going into safe waters where I don't know if it's illegal to gamble in Florida. I suppose, but um, it, it it it's just a nice sort of touch. And and they go inside there.
1: Well, and well, this is the thing though, because like on yeah. the way they pass this young woman who's having car trouble, and they just drop yes, meat right. there, and and she sees him and recognizes him and has these huge braces and is like, "Why do they call you meat?" and they they all make when they all go inside. Uh, turns turns out uh, that woman. Her name is Blossom. Is like, Why do they call you Blossom? Why do they call you Meat? Um, she is super into meat, and they just go to town in in the riverboat.
0: And it turns out she is the daughter of Porky. which, yeah, a which big is part gonna... of the
1: plot. Great way to raise the stakes, but yeah. So the the boys they all get in the boat and like they're they're there because they want to uh, they want to get photos of the illegal gambling operation and I guess turn that over to the authorities so that Porky's get shut down again. But it doesn't quite work because they get caught.
0: They do get caught. I was also a bit surprised. They're they're showing the layout of the riverboat and um, like right above the area where the the strippers dance is a kind of platform where there's a pig on there. And it made me think, wouldn't that pig be shitting all over the strippers?
1: Well, it is animatronic.
0: Oh, is it? I didn't get that.
1: Yeah, it's it's just just an animatronic thing, and and all it does is it kind of leans down and sticks its muzzle into that pile of corn that's in front of it. Uh, I don't think for a second we're supposed to believe that's a real pig.
0: Okay, that fooled me.
1: It's just one of Porky's decorations.
0: Yeah, but there was a nice, uh, touch, and I mean, that, that, it's a two-story, uh, riverboat. You you do get a little bit of suspense with the boys trying to get the photos, and at the same time, uh... Well, I'm uh, kind of
1: shocked they didn't get killed. Like, I was waiting for them to get, or mm -hmm. at least beaten the fuck up, since we know that Porky's is capable of doing that, um but what ends up happening is they bluster their they bluster their way through the whole encounter um saying that you know they so or you know they won the game so they're going to go on to the state finals and so their whole thing is well, well hey how how about this you know you we're here to cut a deal with you you cut off our coach's debt we'll throw the game at the state finals think yeah. of how much money you could make uh and, and so you know he gets them all to to drink uh, wh- he gets them all to take a shot of whiskey and, and, and seal the deal i'm i'm kind of shocked he goes along with them with this i can i can only assume I, I i guess i guess by the by the law of southern good old boys maybe due to the destruction of his previous establishment now they're even
0: <laughs> it's a bit too easy didn't you wish there was some more conflict or give and take well i was
1: yeah, like I, I, I feel like it, they, they either Porky should be do, doing something to get insurance to make sure this plot goes down, or they have to do something to to, to earn his trust. Uh, and this is the other shocking thing is, uh, uh, Porky's doesn't find out his daughter is having is having sex with meat until like the third way, well into the third act. So like that could have been used to do it. It's just kind of glossed over. Um, But what I love is that the next day at school, the guys are immediately trying to figure out how they're going to Welsh on this, and they they come up with this this scheme, which they end which they end up not implementing. Although I guess they don't need to based on what happens in the movie where they're no it's so simple. We don't throw the game we win and the very next day we go to the papers and give a story about how we're clean-cut american youths and unsavory elements tried to pressure us into throwing the game
0: yeah that's that's an okay plan i think um for some, what i don't think is is so effective in this movie is you do set up porky's initially and you set up some stakes uh, not just with his daughter and meat but but with this uh thing the way they're supposed to throw the game and then Porky's just isn't there for a large part of the movie until the end. So it, it's not like a constant presence, a constant threat. Even just a few scenes cutting back to, to Porky's, you know, maybe counting his money to Porky, counting his money, going, oh, I can't wait to triple this money or whatever. Well, Would have gone a long way.
1: Well, that almost that's ties into the way he's used to the first movie. Because in the first movie, he's only there at the beginning to humiliate mm-hmm. the boys, and we don't see him until the end.
0: But at the end, in the first film, there's more of a, a conflict where the police come in to help him and they shoot out his car. And oh, true. And there's a bit of a chase. And this he just seems a bit more uh, removed from what's going on until the very end. The point being, I like the character of Porky. I would have liked to have seen him more in a movie called Porky's Revenge. Um,
1: yeah, I want him to be a bit more of a villain.
0: Yeah, yeah. But we we do go back to something that I was was a big deal when I was in high school. I don't even know if they still do this, but in biology class having to dissect a, a frog.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, uh I did frog uh and fetal pig uh around oh, that time.
0: Oh, you know, we never did fetal pig. We did frog. I, I think in middle school we did earthworm. Uh, we, I had a particular teacher do a pretty memorable thing where she took a cow's eye and flipped it inside out and showed us all the colors on the inside. That huh. was that was pretty neat. Um, but I, I do wonder if, if people can opt out of that nowadays or if they just make them do a simulation instead. I, I, well, I'm not really sure.
1: Well, I know in some districts you can, uh, I'm, I'm, although yeah. I'm not sure if there's any kind of uniform policy. But this, I, is, this is when the, 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 boys, the boys' brilliant plan keeps sabotaging itself because it turns out uh, meat is grossed out by dissection. And so he can't go through with it. And if he can't go through with it, it's very likely he's going to fail. And if he fails, he can't go to the state championships.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, in your science classes, did people ever faint when they had to do the dissection? Because I don't. We had people that would. Maybe run out and vomit or 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 not show up to class that day, but I don't recall anyone fainting um
1: uh, I don't recall anyone no I don't recall anyone fainting. We had some people who were grossed out and we we had plenty of students who were happy to get paired off with someone like me and just let me do all the cutting mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. not that I enjoy cutting things, it's just that i can I can be dispassionate in the in the name of science uh. Although, although at the same time, it probably you know if 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 you have it, just the right kind of temperament, I'm sure there were plenty of people who would who would faint faint or or run out of the room. Um. Oh, actually, we. Ha- oh, god. So this is okay. So this is uh, Porky's becoming a bit too real. Um. When we did when we did the pig dissection, one of my classmates uh saved the pig's testicles and put it in a Ziploc bag and would, like, whip it out for the rest of the day to gross people hmm. out.
0: Did, did it uh, preserve pretty well in those well, plastic I mean, they, bags? It I had mean, the embalming fluid or something, right? Yeah, they're like
1: already, like, soaked in formaldehyde, preserved. so...
0: yeah. Whether they lasted
1: longer than the day, I don't know. I didn't ask. I
0: mean, maybe this, this uh, individual still has them uh, on a shelf... At their home.
1: <laughs> it's a cherished Trophy, a memoir, a, a, a memento of those
0: high school nights. Yes. Um, so you, you have a, a classic kind of subplot in here where uh, Meat is not very good at the science class and uh, he takes a test that he's not really confident he, he's doing well in. Um, so they want uh, to go to... I mean, it's it's really a crime that they're committing, but they want to break and enter into the science teacher's apartment and change hey, uh, the grade on his test. Uh, Miss Oh Ms. yeah, Miss Webster. Webster.
1: Yeah, because if because initially. Uh, Well, it's not initially to change the grade, it's to steal the answers to the exam, because originally they break into the science lab. Lots of cartoon sound effects in this scene as they look at various jars. But the tests aren't there, so they assume, oh, well, the the master copy of the test must be at her apartment. Um, And her apartment... So, the previous two films have done a really good job preserving, uh, or sort of creating this 1950s look and feel. Um, But this is when it starts to break down. This movie has a lot of uh, anachronisms and so like the apartment they go to it is a it is a 60s apartment it yeah, is yeah, it's
0: a very very cookie cutter apartment with kind of the little island in the kitchen and the the big oversight kind of awkwardly sized living room that's not quite the right size for everything a sort of recessed um,
1: ice bucket
0: <laughs> yes
1: uh but um but so, so yeah, so they they, they break in, uh, and this again, some pipe is laid. It turns out that uh, Pee Wee's grandmother lives in the same apartment complex right across from uh, right across the street or across the courtyard from uh, from Miss Webster. So you know they're they're looking around for the exam, and wouldn't you know it? They hear Miss Webster coming home. They can't get out, so everybody hides, uh, and it turns into a straight up farce. Miss Webster comes home with one of the other teachers. Um, And it turns out they're having a hot and heavy affair with uh, with S&M overtones and undertones. And this is so. So here's it. I have a tremendous sense of humor about the stuff people do in bed. Uh, I think even the stuff I'm into is pretty hilarious, especially when you look at it from from the outside. But the, the way it's portrayed, it's such a grab bag because she, op- she opens what you think is a liquor cabinet and it's just full of sex toys and bondage gear. And it's a real Chekhov's gun. Like if you've got a wall of dildos, I expect one of those dildos to be used in a comedy. You're right,
0: bit. but they don't use it. It's just the reveal is the gag. Instead, of, it should be the setup instead of just being a, a standalone joke. Yeah. But, but the
1: game they decide to play is is a game that no one has ever played. Sassy so, the sassy Southern bartender meets the the alcohol recovering alcoholic monk who has left the monastery.
0: It is nice that they're showing older people having a um, a sexual relationship that they, you know, are, are into trying some different things. But also, it, it's the situation is so contrived that they're role playing, and the, the acting of um, the guy that plays Mister Dobish, uh, Fred Booch, is is just ridiculous. I mean, he this, turns into Daffy Duck yeah it's like oh please don't give me another drink please please oh, no. please oh no oh no I'm losing my pants oh i'm gonna jump and uh i'm gonna jump and crush your pelvis leaping from a high surface under your like, i don't know it's just so r- ridiculous it's not it, it's not sexy I don't think it was trying to be sexy but well it's-, it's
1: not even that funny and they also like there's an arbitrary tango in the middle of it
0: it just goes on forever. Like you could have cut, made this a third of the length. I think it would have been. I'm not a prude, but I think just for for pacing's sake, you could have made this shorter, and then maybe. Uh I, I don't know, like have it be like more sexy or more weird when they do this again later uh, from the, the grandma's house. The, the
1: th- only thing that really worked and consistently made me laugh about this scene is that Pee Wee is hiding in the cabinet underneath the island.
0: Yes. And yeah.
1: th- there's the, the little eye- recessed ice bucket is there. He keeps taking the ice bucket out and sticking his head up through the hole to watch what's going on, which that's just the kind of silly Bob Hope Bing Crosby thing that I I am a real sucker for. But I wish they did more because there's a bit where they decide they need ice for their drinks and he has to really quickly hide again and pop the bucket back up. I wish they did that a few more times and I wish it got more farcical and extreme to the point where like the whole – like if they weren't paying attention and his whole hand came up out of the hole holding the ice, that would have been great. But they don't really do anything for it. But eventually – Miss Weber and the other teacher go run off into the bedroom, which has a red light in it, uh, and the guys uh, the guys all flee. But then, they, well, we couldn't find the exam, so we've got another plan. So their plan now is, now that they know that they're having this hot and heavy affair, they're going to go over to have dinner with Pee Wee's grandmother, pretend to be doing a photography final, and take incriminating photographs.
0: Again, it shows you th- the time setting of this that. If it, like nowadays, like there would be nothing to the scene. Cause people would whip out a phone and take photos right on the spot.
1: Yeah. But you know, th- this, uh, th- this one, they would have to check out all that photography equipment, get the, f- get, take the, take the pictures, take oh, and the pictures cameras to the, would, the, the, yeah, the dark they have room. To develop
0: them. it. The cameras make noise. Uh, they're also not compact. Um, fifties. Oh, like no. Right. So that they have to do it from across the way and set it up on a tripod and do all this stuff. Uh, we we get these sort of comedy scenes with the grandmother where she's offering people food and beating up Pee-wee with a loaf of bread. I think that stuff's pretty good. But
1: well, she keeps whacking him over the head with the baguette and it keeps yes. breaking the baguette apart.
0: And if you've ever had a real baguette, I mean, they're quite long. Oh, oh yeah. And it's it, it's oh. nice to, I, I wish you would do more with the, the grandmother later in the film. I, I sort of enjoy her appearance here. But it, it's really just sort of you know she says oh you boys like to eat oh you look hungry just giving them like all sorts of food like a, a kindly grandmother would. At the same time, uh, they could play up a bit them covering that they're taking photos. I it was sort of surprised there there was a opportunity for some suspense, and well, and there's not much of you can make them more sneaky trying to do it and they don't really try to hide what they're doing.
1: Well, like their cover story, their cover story, you know that that it's photography final. Like All they say is, oh, this is the perfect lighting and the perfect angle. I'm honestly – I mean they should have gone that extra mile and say, oh, a rare something-something owl is nesting in your apartment complex, and this is the only way we can get a photo of it. Uh, And I feel like there should be some tension building where they keep trying to cover up that they're taking pictures of of the sex. But then the way the scene should end is that the grandmother – catches them but then goes they've started already and then like sits in the window and like <laughs> like it should be that the grandma's horny and has been watching them do this for for months
0: and maybe the grandma has you know a pair of opera binoculars or something <laughs> that she whips out to that's what she does on her tuesday nights. yeah it, it it doesn't quite they could push that a bit further and frankly, the, the role-playing situation the second time around, I think, is, is less weird than what they see the first time around. Do you think it should be flip-flopped? Or Well,
1: there's no exposition to explain what they're doing. It's just, oh, yeah, 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 she's dressed as a dominant woman. He's dressed in a pink tutu. I can see the power dynamic going on here. It's just that, like as the photos are taken, there's these like half costume changes that just don't work where like he has a gimp mask at one point, And then at one point he's being the dominant one. And like, clearly something's happening here, but we have no context for it, but they got their photos so that they can blackmail her into letting me, uh, to giving me, into giving me to passing grade. Uh, and this is when the movie remembers that, uh, that Wendy Williams exists. Uh, because like Wendy Williams, they're going through uh, they're going through an old um, yearbook, an old yearbook. Yeah, and and she discovers that uh, Miss Ballbreaker was in fact an alumni of uh, of their school and was on the wrestling team, and there was another wrestler that clearly she had a thing for this this uh, and and she decides I'm gonna and she decides oh I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, Send, send her a letter. So she writes, uh, she writes, uh, Miss Balbricker a fake mash note from this guy saying he wants to get back together. Uh, and the movie does wait long enough for you to forget this, but there's a Swedish exchange student, uh, uh that's in this movie. And what, uh, Inga, uh, played by Kimber, uh, Kimberly, uh, Evanson. And what ends up happening is that Pee Wee gets a letter. Gets a note from Inga that they're going to meet at a hotel and have sex, and it's an old Dutch tradition. So he stops at a friend's house on the way, and the friend's like, what? You're going to have sex with her like that? No, you can't. you got to be sophisticated. Forget the flowers and chocolate you put on a tuxedo. Here, I'll let you borrow mine. And when Pee-wee goes to borrow the tuxedo, he jumps into a car with the flowers and candy and goes to the hotel. Uh, turns out that's not a real note from Inga. This has all been a prank by Wendy, by Wendy to get Balbrooker and Pee-wee alone in a hotel room. Um, and I am – I don't know if I can call this restraint, but I am shocked that this movie didn't go full Revenge of the Nerds. Because when the guy goes into the hotel room, the lights are off, and they make out, mm. but they don't—they don't have sex. Have the sex, ruse yeah. gets exposed pretty early on.
0: I see, and, yeah. And but what's—I think what's nice about this, I mean, this is a very mean-spirited trick they're doing to poor old Ballbreaker, but they feel—they well, well, feel, feel remorse, and as you said, it contributes to this arc happening.
1: Yeah, where, where Wendy tracks down the real guy. Turns out he's one of Florida's wealthiest guys. We see him in this this estate with the butler, who I can only assume is portrayed by Spike Milligan. Um, and, you know, hooks them, hooks them up. And so Ballbroker and the guy hook up. They She falls in love. She becomes a completely different person. Like, I like that she gets to be happy. And these, and these kids who had been ragging on her for three movies helped make it happen. Like, it's it kind of makes up for all the the awful shit they put her through but i love that he's so happy he's going to let them have homecoming or the, the big dance on the grounds of his mansion and he's going to pay for the whole thing
0: yeah, and hey if rich
1: people were cool they do that all the time
0: but they're not cool no um and that i mean when you get the reunion on the beach it starts up Ballbreaker's breakers pretty sad and then the guy comes and they run in slow motion to each other um,
1: and a Willie it, Nelson cover.
0: Of an Elvis... Of, of, of Love Me Tender, yeah. Famous, yeah. <laughs> love me tender, love me true. Uh, you know, it, as it's played pretty straight. and I was, I was kind of surprised by that. I can't say I was moved, but I, I was really pleased to see uh, later on, uh, I think much later in the film, they kind of wrap up this storyline about the, the porno film from the beginning where you think the guys are going to be punished and instead... You know, fresh off a, a night with her high school sweetheart, uh, Ballbreaker comes into the room and is uh, almost as like a completely different person. She really looks uh, sort of uh, en- energized and says, "Oh, this silly old video, this silly old film. Don't worry about it." And acts sort of, you know, sexy and playful. And it, well, it, she's it's a fancy. nice tra- uh, Yeah, she is, and it's a nice <coughs> transformation, and it gives that actress something to do where she's been. I, I don't know I wouldn't say treated like shit but she's been the butt of a lot of stupid jokes throughout the series and the actress has always done a good job and that she kind of gets a, a happy ending um in this third of 3 Porky's films is is nice to see
1: I I I really I I really like that turn it's it's quite uh, delightful um and so we finally get to the uh we get to the <laughs> the uh the, the big championship game uh and i they do successfully build tension because they left the uh they they had sent the uh incriminating photos with the with the threat to make uh to make meat pass but it got lost in the shuffle of paperwork and so when uh when miss webster's uh boyfriend the other teacher shows up to 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 get a little action on school grounds um <laughs> Uh, it doesn't work out because she's like, oh, well, well, why don't we just enjoy, why don't we just enjoy the game if I'm going to have to go away from these pa- this paperwork anyway. And it's like, oh, well, we can't because I'm here to watch the game with my wife. And she gets furious and, uh, and kicks him out of her office. And when he goes, he grabs the incriminating photographs. So she never sees them, um she is shocked that Meat has the right answers. And there is this deflating scene where Meat's like, oh, no, you don't need to bribe anybody. I've been getting tutoring. I think I can pass. Like, I liked it in this one moment. One of the kids is trying to win the honest, hardworking way. (laughs) Although it turns out, while he's getting a shocking number of answers right, he still doesn't pass.
0: Right, and you do get to see a good bit of that game. It does make me wonder, why the hell is Pee Wee on the basketball team when he's so short? (laughs)
1: I can only assume he's quick.
0: Yeah, and uh, it does remind me of uh, the cover, at least on the DVD version, is not as good as the. So the movie, there's a great movie poster for Porky's Revenge that has Porky's face with the cigar, and in the foreground is all the kids. Um, and he's like but, crushing
1: them in his hand.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's a very great uh, fun illustration. But the DVD cover, I don't know if you saw this Thrasher, it just shows a a cheerleader's body with basketballs covering up her boobs and it just says Porky's Revenge. Uh
1: yeah, and I also saw a variation of that where they oh. do have like pictures of of basketball players and cheerleaders at the bottom of the frame, but it's still essentially the same thing. Yeah. It's it's not as striking.
0: It's not representative of the movie as much as the illustration and uh it yeah. But uh, anyhow, you know, there is a bit of a sports movie in this and that you get to see especially this last game a lot of it in their They're losing without without old meat. And meanwhile, the uh, it's an honest loss. it, It is an honest loss. But meanwhile, you know, Mr. Dobish is sitting there with his family and he he drops the folder or something and sees a picture slide out.
1: Well, yeah, he does see the photos, and then sees that they're being bribed, so he runs off. And this is the great part because Porky's is there with his some of his goons and with Blossom, mm-hmm. and uh, they're really and you know he's like you know clearly enjoying this. She and she's like, "Oh, where's meat? I wanted to see meat." Um, and so yeah, he goes back to goes back to Miss uh, Miss Webster and reveals that oh, we're being blackmailed. So Miss Webster calls the coach and says, "Oh goodness, I made a." a, a clerical error it turns out meat did pass he can play in the game so meat is brought out into the game and I this strangely enough successfully brought tension because the Porky's gang is one point behind the visitors when when uh, and this is after meat rejoins them for the second half of the game and I, the whole time I'm like holy shit they're gonna lose for real and they're gonna be so pissed off that they helped Porkies win a bunch of money they're gonna get revenge on Porky's but no, in complete dumb luck, Pee Wee gets isolated on one side of the court. A bunch of the other team comes running up to tackle him. He panics, throws the basketball over his shoulder, and makes scores the winning two points.
0: It's such an absurd moment. I mean, it is possible to to get... A ball in the basket that way, but it's highly, highly unlikely, and that is expected That it's not meat, but Pee Wee that, that gets the the winning point is, is sort of nice for the character. That's kind of different.
1: But I love how Happy Blossom gets like, oh boy, mm-hmm. meat! You know, meat won the game for Meat. Meat, who's meat? That you know, he's my boyfriend. We went all the way. And, por- mm. and a switch gets turned up in Porky's.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: and he's like, he, he did what? Boys want you to take care of something for me. Well, boss, do you want him uh, dead or just crippled? And uh, he's like, no, <laughs> I want him married to her. Uh, and that's when that's when, that's when when the story really starts, because the whole school's going to the mansion, and they're super excited. And as Meat is walking up to the mansion, a bunch of the good old boys grab him and drag him away. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you, you don't get to see the senior prom, which I was sort of surprised by. I thought, oh, surely because you set it up, it's at this rich guy's house, stuff is going to get broken, or you're going to have... There,
1: there'd be antics.
0: The antics, some kind of slapstick antics. But, All we
1: see is that there's a monkey there, and I got to wonder, does he just own a monkey, or is that a rental monkey he just brought there for the night?
0: Um, if it's the 80s and you don't have a monkey in your comedy, you're messing up somewhere, so I think it's the, the, the required studio-mandated monkey in a comedy clause.
1: I suppose I suppose you're right. Uh yeah, so the gang has to get together and uh, rescue rescue Meat from Porky's. And I loved it. Like I guess I guess they assume that that Porky's just going to beat the crap out of him. They don't know that it's that it's a wedding. But I really love seeing like all the wedding planning that's going on on the riverboat.
0: There is a lot of it and that um Meat is just, you know, sort of flustered Porky punches out Meat at one point. It, you get some nice porky moments there between porky meat and his daughter and that um it, it, it's nice that blossom porky's daughter isn't just like porky cuz y- you would assume porky's a big guy maybe his daughter would also be like big and overweight and, and kind of gross or crass but no she's, well, no, she's, sort she's of, petite she she's petite she has um you know this kind of weird smile on her face this kind of strange kind of look to how she acts but she is sort of not what you quite would expect which I enjoyed
1: well, I think the smile is affected because uh-huh, she, uh-huh. she's got those braces, and clearly the the direction is when you smile, you got to show as much of the braces as possible. But one thing I, I love that Porky's gives uh, gives like meat, a really like a pep talk. And he's like, "We're going to put all that behind us. What I mean, family's what's important. What I really want is a grandson, and you're responsible for making yeah. that
0: happen. He's not <laughs> not, like, not wasting any time with that.
1: I mean, it it, it, it is strange because like I guess P- Porky's. Porky's is probably the kind of guy who like once it's they're married and it's legit he's probably not going to give a damn about uh about uh, Meat's past or what's going on. It's just like, Meat's now responsible for making his daughter happy, and that's all he cares about as long as he gets his grandson. And it's almost endearing the way he talks about, you know, a little boy, I can bounce on my knee, teach him to hustle and fish.
0: <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it reminded me of a wedding I went to a year or two ago where the the father of the bride went to the uh, the groom and said, you know, after you, you, you guys, uh, after you get married, you need to start uh, practicing on making some grandkids. <laughs> and it was this sort of blunt thing <laughs> out in public in front of everyone. I just, I, I was more embarrassed, I think, than the groom was for being an earshot of that. But I, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it's really, you see a warmer side of Porky's in this scene. And uh, it, it it's sort of nice. And in the meantime, it's a similar climax to the original film in that they have to take down Porky's, but this time it, it's a riverboat, uh, so it's a moving target. How are they going to do that? I, I posted a picture on Twitter that I thought was, was really nice sort of cinematography of the boys in their boat approaching the uh, Porky's riverboat kind of at night. You get that neon light reflected shimmering on the water.
1: Oh, and we see them silhouetted in the boat?
0: Yeah, it almost looks like an Apocalypse Now kind of shot.
1: That is a shot too good for this movie, but I'm glad it's there.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. And
1: And their plan is pretty complicated, and I like that they don't spell it out. We have to watch it unfold. And during this plan, it cemented something for me that the movie never outright states, and that's that Pee-wee and Wendy are clearly broken up. You're right. Because all of her all of her romantic attention is with one of the other guys, but no one ever comments on it um, and so yeah, so, so a bunch of the guys they 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 snorkel, they get a boat, and they snorkel their way onto porky 's ship and they they cut out uh, they, they cut some power and sabotage certain systems uh, they manage to grab uh, they manage to grab meat, and this is what I thought meat not being able to swim would come back in a major way. But they throw him off the boat and immediately dive in after him and bring him up. There's no, like, his life never feels like it's at, it's at risk. Um, but they taunt Porky, like, you know, you'll never get, they'll never get us Porky's. Uh, and so they pow- they manage to get the power back onto the boat. And I will say, like, a paddle boat can kill you. Uh, just mm-hmm. the way they run, they run the paddle and they're chasing the rowboat. And I love it when the guys realize their plan might not work because they can't get their motor running. They think they're going to be chopped up by the paddle. Um, but but eventually they do. And then there's all this business at a drawbridge where Wendy and her new boyfriend, they pretend to be doing a joint suicide jump off the bridge. And so the, bridge, the drawbridge operator runs over to intervene. Peewees runs into the drawbridge control and raises the bridge, trapping the drawbridge operator on the opposite side. And, and this is some amazing practical destruction, because they chase uh, Porkys chases, uh, chases the motorboat to the bridge. They drop the bridge. They can't reverse the throttle on the paddle boat, and the paddle boat goes under the bridge, and its whole top gets completely shorn off. And once again, Porkys and all the good old boys and all the strippers end up jumping into the river.
0: Yeah, a lot of scenes of people dropping into the river, just this, you're right, the practical destruction of this, this was not a cheap scene for them to film, clearly. And it's, uh, I think, in a lot of ways, almost more satisfying than a destruction of Porky's in the first film. You get this, uh, of course, they have to do the shot of the neon sign, you know, getting crushed up and, and so forth, but it's uh, it's a good comeuppance. Four, well, uh, it's a level of practical
1: feet. destruction. It's, it's I, I love it because it makes me think, how the fuck did they get the permits to shoot this scene?
0: Yeah, did, did they find a uh, a riverboat that was like going out of commission or something that, that they could destroy with nothing? I mean, how would you retrieve all the boat parts after being destroyed? Like, is that a big operation?
1: Well, I mean, they depending on where you filmed it, and I guess mm-hmm. this was Florida, they yes, might not have yeah. cared.
0: Uh, that's also true at that time, yeah. Um, I mean, it's really quite, uh, quite something. And then at the end of the film, it ends kind of uh, how it begins, at the graduation ceremony. Except it's not the dream; it's the real thing. And the guys say, "Oh, we're gonna do a trick. We're all gonna be naked underneath the cap and gowns, and then we're gonna flash the audience uh, it, when we get our uh, at the end for the big photo."
1: To the point where they're wearing fake clothes, and Pee-wee thinks they're pranking him until he realizes that Inga's going to do it because they've tricked her into thinking it's an American tradition. Of course, she might be. It's unclear whether she's in on the prank, but we never see her flash anybody. That's so, true. Uh, But and so Pee-wee like strips under his robe. But when Pee-wee goes up, he th- he real- thinks better of itself. This is when we see the boy in the audience with the mittens. But then there's a girl on the other side of the mother who is picking her nose. And it's just like before. Uh, the, uh, the principal accidentally steps on Pee-wee's robe and he grabs a diploma. The robe gets torn off. Everybody can see Pee-wee naked. Uh, I believe his grandmother says to his mother, you raised a strange boy.
0: <coughs> yeah.
1: And then, you know, high school nights. That awful song plays in its entirety over still frame images of the movie.
0: It, it's not a great ending. I mean, on the one hand, you, you have it mirroring the dream with the beginning, but I almost wish it would have... That it turns out almost exactly the same as in the dream uh, is a bit... It kind of undercuts it a bit. I don't. I, I wish something different would have happened.
1: We know what we need is we need a real celebratory moment, like at the end of the first movie and yes, like at the end of the yeah, second movie. Right. Like, it should be all of them triumphantly arriving at the prom in the mansion, uh and right. you know, maybe, and who knows maybe we even get a few little epilogue moments during the credits um but yeah it it should it should be a bit, a bigger ending than that
0: that is pretty much the same as what you saw in the beginning, like it kind of robs it of suspense of what's gonna happen that high school night song I don't like either it's it's really cheesy it it, it's it was clearly
1: written in the eighties,
0: yes. And it's something you would expect to have maybe at the end of the first movie or something, but not for a third movie in a series. I almost thought it was expecting like clips from like the whole trilogy or something. I don't know. Like did you they know really... that
1: would have been more appropriate. Yeah. Did they really just do think a little best of
0: this movie was gonna do so good that they do a fourth one? And what would they have done? I think, you know, your new class idea is uh pretty likely, or or maybe you do something several years later and maybe some of the people in Porky's are now teachers at the school. Uh, having to be the disciplinarians, I don't know.
1: Well, I, I've got a thought, and I'll save that for for pitch a sequel. But the I think, and the other thing that I think really bothers me about this song is I really don't have nostalgia for high school. I don't have nostalgia for that part of my life, and just to hear to hear a song that looks back so fondly on what to me is an emotional sinkhole, it just doesn't ring true to me. So why am I listening to it?
0: Yeah, it's it's not entirely effective. I do wonder. I mean, the song was was not a hit. The soundtrack was was well reviewed, but I don't think. I mean, you you can get the soundtrack now on iTunes, which is not the case for the soundtrack for the other Porky's films. <laughs> so it, so it has a legacy uh, with the Dave Edmonds music, for better or for worse. Um. So so who knows? It's just. But overall, I, I would give Porky's Revenge a sequel, yes, because I think. This is more like what I expected. This is more like the first film. I think this is funnier than Porky's 2 The Next Day. It has less baggage with the plot. Um, is it as good as the first film? No, but if you're going to have a, another go-around, I would choose this one over Porky's 2.
1: I'm going to give this a sequel no. Like I, I still enjoyed watching this film, but I know that if I got another film, it would only go... F- downhill, and I would only be disappointed. So I think I have seen exactly the right amount of Porky's. So it's a sequel no for me. And it's also, it's such a, with the way the first two movies confronted different kinds of prejudice, I think I feel like this movie should have done the same if only to keep those themes intact, give the movie a little bit human a little bit of humanity. I mean it it wouldn't hurt to have at least like one African-American character with speaking parts and to still confront a little bit of racism. Although how you raise the stakes from the clan I don't know.
0: Um do you have like refugees from some other country? I don't know. Do you have Nazis? What do you do? Well, actually
1: right? uh, oh wow. So actually, no, you totally could have a. Uh, you could totally could have Cuban refugees., Cuban, yeah. but that that okay, that would be getting a bit too silly if some like if if like some Nazis from South America tried to infiltrate the high school in Florida. I think it would it would be it would be Sergeant Schultz and the guy from Laughing. I think it's what we would end up getting
0: maybe if Fidel Castro comes and has hatches a plan with Porkys. To get the Cuban refugees. Um, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. On to pitch a sequel. Uh, <laughs> an idea I had in mind would be for... Um, you have all this stuff. They're all graduated. Where do you go from here? I would do a prequel about the young ballbreaker. Huh. And I would do it where she's not the kind of school marm that she would become in the first two films... That she had these kind of randy adventures, uh, sexy adventures with her friends and something something catastrophic happens or some sort of an accident. Maybe someone dies. Like You have a weird twist near the end that kind of shocks her into saying, like, I can never act like this again or now. It, like She has some kind of a turn late uh-huh. in the third act that makes her into more of the hard ass uh, she becomes.
1: It, it would be fun to see her being a hellion. That would be pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And I would call it uh, Porky's Ballbreaker Origins.
1: <laughs> the Ballbricker rises.
0: Yes. Before the Ballbricken. And...
1: <laughs> so mine. So my uh, my prequel. Uh, I I I'm gonna do straight up Porky's the next generation. So my premise is I'm gonna assume that all the guys you know went off to college. Uh, the movie is going to take place uh, is going to take place with a whole new uh, crop of high school kids. But here's why: it's going to turn out that Meat also went off to college. Uh, turns out Blossom is in fact pregnant. She had a kid. It's going to be their kid in high school. Oh, okay. Uh, she she moved to Angel Beach to try to reconnect with Meat and to try to get away from Porky's. So. But she had this kid, the kid's now in high school, uh, and it's going to be in the 70s. Uh, so we're still going to keep it uh, locked into the past. Uh, we're going to have a whole new crop of kids, a whole new 70s kids. It's going to be a more diverse cast, so we are going to have a, a character who's a child of Cuban refugees. We're going to have an African-American character, and they're going to get into all sorts of hijinks just like this. But to tie it all back in with Porky's, um, Porky is on his, is, is on his deathbed. And Porky's wants to leave everything to his son because he knows he has a son. But, you know, because he and his daughter are estranged, it's not working out. So it's all about... And in fact, she hasn't told uh, her son about Porky's and the whole, like, the whole deal that's going on. Um, so the, sh- the short of it is that this... Is that this and the character's going to be kind of peewee-like. I don't think I'm going to make him a jock or anything. Uh, is that it's, like, all about what happens to this kid... When he realizes he could inherit this little kind of podunk gambling and prostitution empire, could strike it rich and could leave this high school behind. You know, does he choose this weird life of infamy and fortune, or does he stick with his friends? And that's going to be that's going to be the main tension.
0: Hmm. So, with all that, what would the title be?
1: Uh, you know, I'm going to call it Porky's Junior.
0: There you go, Porky's Junior. Very, very good. Um, so, I believe you have a question.
1: Yes, and that is: Did you know that Shecky Spielberg tried to get on the the Porky's bandwagon?
0: You know, we happen to uh, have him on the line here. Let's. Uh, oh, he's been on. waiting for quite some he, time. He has. He's uh, over an hour. A very patient man. All right, and uh, and uh, here we go. I'm going to patch up the line uh, here. It looks like he's uh, dialing in. Sinking
1: the satellite feed.
0: Ring, ring. Uh, how you doing, Trash? How you doing?
1: I'm doing. I'm doing pretty well. I'm. I'm glad you're here. So you did your own version. You wanted to get into the teen sex comedy craze with your own version of Porky's, which I believe you called Bacon.
0: I did. Yeah, I did the the Bacon trilogy. Not as well. Uh, Regarded or as popular as Porkies, but bacon I think uh it has its own uh, side of flavor and in fact, you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, break this trilogy down for our audience, because I think I think a lot of people um because like, you you couldn't even get bacon on USA's up all night back in the day. I think I think th- this was like playing at three AM on Sundays on your, your local your your local unaffiliated stations.
0: That's right. I thought this is called porkies. uh what's like pork, it's bacon. So what am I going to do? I I looked uh, in my kitchen. I saw I had a frying pan. I had a rash of bacon. And I said, ah, I know what to do. So it's an extreme close-up of uh, a piece of lard sizzling. And I throw some strips of bacon. And uh, the whole thing slowly zooms out. 90 minutes of bacon cooking until it's smoking, blackened. At one point, a woman's boobies drop into frame. And then pull out quickly so it's not spatted by too much grease.
1: Yeah, and it really wasn't until the the second bacons uh, that you ended up having any kind of baccal nudity.
0: You're right, you're right. So uh, in the second one, I decided to do more of a story. The first one is a bit too avant-garde. People said, well, there is a little bit of nudity, but it's just a piece of bacon cooking that's not too exciting. So I made it about uh, this guy goes to the store to get bacon, But he forgets his pants, he forgets his underpants. So we see his back on nudity. And uh, at the end, it kind of ends in a way uh, influenced by the uh, surrealist of uh, Italian neorealism. And we we see the the guy comes back from the story with the bacon. And he goes, lays in his bed, closes his eyes. And what he dreams are the first frames of the original bacon film.
1: Now, you showed some remarkable prescience by titling the third film and what at the time must have seemed like a non sequitur, Bacon's The Revenge of the Sith.
0: You've really done your research, yeah. Bacon Revenge of the Sith. So uh, I had a cat named Sith and uh, my cat happened to like bacon. So I put a piece of bacon on a plate and filmed it for 90 minutes. It's already cooked bacon. It's not raw. And at one point my cat Sith comes and steals a piece of bacon in his mouth hops off, knocks the plate and the bacon onto the floor. I had to run behind the camera, put the camera down so you could see the action. And the cat eats the bacon. Um, People complain because there is no nudity, but of course they're wrong. There was a naked cat eating bacon. How people missed that little tidbit, I'll never know.
1: Now, I, I understand that there, there were plans to do a big-budget remake, but the rights are kind of tied up. So all that exists is a 15-minute reel called uh, Bacon's Pimp and Sheckies.
0: Bacon's Pimp and Sheckies, right, right, right. So uh, I said, hmm, the, the bacon cooking, uh, maybe people are kind of bored of that. But Shecky people know who I am. So I played a, an angry butcher who uh, hacks a pig to death in the first few minutes. Making bacon the the cleanest uh, way possible, right from the source, and I'm covered in blood, and I try to cook this bloody bacon without using preservatives, and the results uh, speak for themselves.
1: I'd like to say that, but uh, very few people have seen this movie.
0: Yeah, we couldn't do it. I, you know, I was trying to tie in Howard Stern was doing a remake of Porky's, and uh, but that never came out, and then there was a, a version on Directv uh, Pee Wee's Pimping. Uh, uh, Porky's, and that didn't, Porky's, Pimpin' Pee-wee, whatever it is, and mo- most people didn't see that. So by the time my version finally came out, people said, that wasn't a remake of Porky's. Why are you doing a remake of Bacon? Um, I, but I did get it included as a short film on a limited 500-press uh, uh, disc run uh, through uh, Vinegar Films.
1: And uh, I believe uh was going to be producing your remake.
0: Mancal was going to be the producer. In fact, I, I tried to get him to record voiceover, but he was too busy that day you would have been the uh the greek chorus.
1: Oh that is fascinating. Any uh I don't know any, any final thoughts you want to leave uh leave us with on Bacon or any uh any projects you're working on now you want to you want to uh, tease our audience with?
0: Well, you heard about the uh there's the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the DC Cinematic Universe. I'm working on something called the Shecky Cinematic Universe. But it'll just involve clips of my old films.
1: So no new footage.
0: Uh there'll be footage of me in kind of cameos like that, uh, Stan Lee fella. And I'll be explaining why these all connect.
1: <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. Well, thank you for co- joining us on our show again, Shecky.
0: Yeah. I look forward to it. Shecky cinematic universe. It's the, uh, SCU.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Shecky.
0: It's always a pleasure having uh Shecky Spielberg on the show. Um, I think now we should uh, move on to What You're Watching. I saw a sequel to a film we covered long ago. I got to see Rambo, Last Blood. Oh, what did you think? I I liked it. It is is a streamed-down film. You know, I think uh, for the first time since the original First Blood, it it takes place at least partially in the United States. Um, I think part of the problem is... It feels like you're missing a movie in between uh, the fourth movie Rambo and this one because this one he's with a surrogate family. That's uh, Mexican. Rambo has learned Spanish. Um, he talks more Bomo in this he, right? Yeah, he talks more in this movie than in all the other ones. In some ways, it feels more like a taken rip off than a Rambo movie, or even a Home Alone rip off at times. Um, <laughs> I, I liked it. It gets better as it goes along. Uh, weirdly, the, the versions screened in the uh, America and in the UK have over 10 minutes cut from it. Huh. So I wonder if we'll get that extended cut on video to maybe give it more plot or more context. But uh, when the violence uh. finally comes, it's it's very, very bloody.
1: I'm sure when the DVD hits, it will be like the unrated director's cut or the extended cut or something like that.
0: Yeah, I was thrown off the whole movie. Rambo does not have his, his mullet. He just has short hair. And, and it's very off-putting. I was hoping there would be a scene where Rambo would be suiting up for battle and he'd pull his mullet out of the treasure chest or something and stick it on he his hair. Puts on a wig. Push on a wig. But that's not what happens. So,
1: Or he just flexes in front of a mirror until his hair grows.
0: Yeah, I mean, one weird thing uh, near the, uh, at the end of the movie is it shows footage from the other Rambo films and then proceeds to sew footage from the Rambo film you just watched. Oh my gosh.
1: It is always a bad sign when a movie starts showing you clips of itself.
0: Yeah, so whether this is the last Rambo movie, I don't know. But it's, uh, I don't know if it's worth seeing in a theater, but it's, it's, not, it's not terrible. It's just more, I think, low stakes and less of a wartime kind of scope than some of the other sequels.
1: Oh wow.
0: <sighs> what about you? What are you been watching?
1: Oh, oh, please forgive Dion. Uh all right. So I uh finally saw something I'd been meaning to check out for a while. I saw a Bright written by Brian Gunn and Mark Gunn, produced by James Gunn, uh Kenneth Hang and directed by David Yarovesky.
0: Kind of a superhero movie, is that right?
1: Sort of it's it's it is a it is a movie that takes the essential elements of Superman's origin story but uses them in a horror film.
0: Was it scary? Was it were the effects good?
1: Um I can't I can't say it's scary, but it did build a lot of tension. Like I never felt afraid, but it it, it built it did it did in fact build tension. Um and, and it's it's fascinating to go through this movie to have sympathy with every character and then to realize that they're all going to be menaced by a by a twelve year old with the power of a god.
0: Oh, okay. So the the hero is kept uh, younger. Then he's not an adult.
1: Oh no no he's uh, I think I think he is I, I he is uh, twelve in fact they have a he uh, early on in the movie they celebrate his his birthday and uh, as far as everyone's concerned he is twelve uh, but what what amazes me is they do stay very very true to the classic Superman origin story like every detail is reflected in this film in some way except it always takes the darkest possible twist
0: so it's called brightburn why is that.
1: Oh, it takes place in Brightburn, Kansas.
0: Okay, I forgot for some reason Brightburn was the name of a character.
1: No, they like they the, the alter the alter ego the kid develops is never named, although there's like a, as as his alien origins start to express themselves, one of the things he does is he keeps scribbling this symbol in the margins of his notebooks. And the symbol—it's like two; it's almost like the the Bonsai Institute logo. It's two Bs back to back, um, which we never quite—we never learn what that symbol is, but it connects to certain themes that run throughout the movie.
0: Do they set it up for a sequel?
1: They—they they don't set it up for a sequel. How? Ever, um, When the credits start to roll, there's this YouTube clip of a uh, – there's a YouTube clip, and I believe it's uh, – yeah, Michael it's uh, Michael Rooker playing kind of an InfoWars-type ranting YouTube host, and the implica- – and, he, and he's talking about conspiracy theories and cryptids and whatnot. And if you pay attention to what he's talking about, all of the monsters that he's claiming – the People are trying to cover up are dark, twisted versions of the other members of the Justice League.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So it's 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 kind of it's it's kind of neat that it, it, without going into it, it implies that this movie could take place in the darkest, most fucked up possible version of the DC universe, one that is more dark and fucked up than the Snyder version.
0: So it sounds like you'd recommend it
1: no I, I would recommend it. i i had a i had a really good time um I can't say it's the antidote to uh superhero movies but it's not a superhero movie We are seeing a villain's origin story that just happens to hit all the beats of a classic hero's origin story um so yeah I would definitely check it out uh and it's there's a level of cruelty that is shown to the characters that I did not expect and i and I do appreciate this the movie doesn't hold back
0: got it. So uh, we're going to move on to a sequel scene, and this is where Porky talks to Meat about what he uh, what he's expecting him to do and why he wants a grandson. Uh, What character did you want to play?
1: I I really want to do Porky just because I love doing the accent, but I realize that's taken most of the time. No, that's fine.
0: You Porky, I'll be Meat. Uh, Okay, let's go.
1: So this is on the riverboat. Uh, He okay. So uh, you're going to have to forgive my temper, Meat. But I'm glad to see my son-in-law is a moxie guy, because that's just what I want from my grandson.
0: What grandson? (laughs) The
1: one from you and Blossom, asshole. What do you think you're doing here?
0: Beats the shit out of me.
1: Oh, we, we don't have to do that. Nah, nah, it's not important. All I want now is a little grandchild. A little, little porky. Someone I can put on my knee, teach him to go fishing, gamble, break heads, kick ass, hustle. You know, someone I can be proud of, carry on the family name.
0: And scene, yeah, that's uh, start, it's a good moment I, for Porky. I started turning
1: into Doc Hopper there at the end. A little bit, yeah, that's
0: that's quite all right. Um, okay, so next after Porky's, we're going to be covering a um, a duology of films you can watch for free on Crackle: Young Guns and Young Guns Two.
1: Oh yeah,
0: I I watched a little bit of Young Guns the other night, and that it begins pretty much with um, weirdly colored footage. Of all the brat pack actors just shooting guns at nothing. <laughs> as it cuts to their close ups and all the smoke is is really quite something. Uh Young Guns is uh is something I'm surprised has not been remade. Uh the second one had that well, Bon Jovi like, song that was a big hit.
1: It seems like it's a it's a it's a type of thing that could be done like every ten years or so. Whenever there's a new crop of fresh faced uh young actors, you could you could do this kind of western
0: yeah or they could have done like a young guns 3 or something with older versions of the same characters although, <laughs> although who dies in the films i'm not really sure uh, this is my first time seeing them I, i've heard of these movies i've just never watched them for whatever reason and uh it's nice that they're on crackle because uh, the dvds are out of print young guns 2 is very wow. easy to find but the first young guns it goes for quite a bit more money and I'm not it sure. looks like i'll
1: have to get Get back into Crackle, then.
0: Yeah, uh, you don't need to log in to watch it. You can just watch it. It has ads, I think, but you can... It has a very eclectic selection of movies in that uh, streaming service. So um,
1: from, from Joe Dirt 2 to Godzilla.
0: Right. So uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at MATWBT.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Internet Mayor.
0: You can buy my book, The Films of Uwe Boll, Volume 1, The Video Game Movies, on Amazon.com.
1: Yeah, uh, you can always look for my work on uh, uh Don't have anything new out that I can talk about uh, yet, but I should have some news in the coming weeks, and I, th- I think you're going to enjoy it.
0: Great. Um, follow the show at SQLCast2 or go to the Facebook page, SQLCast2, and if you use the Apple Podcast app, uh, just look up SQLCast2 and Friends and leave a nice review. All of those helps uh, whenever we get them. Um, so next time, as we mentioned, we'll start our look at the Young Guns duology that should be uh, a lot of fun among other things. Uh, it has Terrence Stamp in it, so that's nice. It has the Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez. has the brothers. Oh, cool. All kinds of... Uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, I think, is in these. A lot of uh, the who's who of uh, Kiefer Sutherland. You know, all these actors. I'm
1: looking forward to it. We... We, we've never done, like, aside from Back to the Future 3, we've never done a Western Half. No, we?
0: I guess you're right, which is sort of surprising in over several hundred episodes. Um, <laughs> so there you go. So, uh, for sequel cast two, this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. Zane.
1: I watched every second of this disgusting film twice.